This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Ten days after the Montreal Canadiens on Super Bowl weekend lost by a score of 5-3 to three to the Buffalo Sabres, the Canadiens bounced back and shut out the Buffalo Sabres 4-0. Two goals for Nick Suzuki and one assist. Another goal for Cole Caulfield. Samuel Montembeau with his first NHL shutout. Martin St. Louis Troop has won four in a row. And one journalist is really upset with other members of the media. I talk with Brendan Kelly coming up on the Sick Podcast. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Meradero. The Sickest Montreal Canadiens Podcast. Now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadiens win the Stanley Cup. Sports Entertainment like no other brought to you by 8.6 beer intense by nature it is the sickest podcast that is out there and probably with your most sick host i am tony marinero and you can follow us on facebook instagram and twitter at the sick podcast and subscribe to our youtube channel it's absolutely for free and the sick podcast brought to you by 8.6 beer intense by nature like me, the beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark. And in terms of making his mark and being intense and living his passions, what the puck, Brendan Kelly, what's going on? I'm uh, I'm doing great, Tony. You know, that's right. Habs on a winning streak and I'm yeah. in a fury. What can I say? That hair is absolutely fantastic. I have to tell you. Well, who else, like, let, let's, you know, we're talking about the sports media. Who's yeah. got that kind of hair and follows the Habs? Speaking of sports media and probably nobody, I know that you are upset with a few people in the media and probably I'm one of them. Why don't you tell our listeners and our viewers why? I'm not upset. How could I be upset with you, Tony? Come on. But in fact, we often argued about Bergevin during those years. All I was saying, and I tweeted this out today, I said, you know what? Now the stories are coming out, right? Eric Engels, big story. He kind of broke it. Great story. The interview with Jeff Gorton says the Canadiens were an absolute mess under Mark Bergevin. The Athletics got a story today about we have to modernize. All of a sudden, all these stories coming out yeah. about how Bergevin basically drove the organization into the ground. All of these people, for most of those nine years, were saying, Hail to Mark Bergevin. You know, this guy's great. He should be GM of the year. Oh, 2014 happened. That was fantastic. Hey, we were in the Stanley Cup finals. I, for not for the full time, we started What the Puck yeah. six years ago. And for the whole time, I guess it could get a little boring. I agree. But I stuck to the same theme. This guy is destroying the Habs. 
And for most of the media, particularly the English media, they were like, who is this guy? He crawled in from a Beyonce concert, doesn't do it, know anything about sports. He's got long hair. He's not serious. His Twitter handle is Brendan Showbiz. You know what? I was right and they were all wrong. What can I say? Hey, what's the story here? A free plug for your Twitter handle. Uh, do you, do you yeah. see me giving mine out? Tony Marinaro, T-O-N-Y. M-A-R-I-N-A-R-O, by the way. Look. That's not that um, interesting, Tony. Brendan Showbiz. I mean, yeah, okay. I got it. I'll listen, I'll make I'll maintain this. In the last three years of Mark of Mark Bergevin's tenure as general manager of the Montreal Canadiens, I thought he made great individual moves, great individual trades. I think he ended up winning probably 80% of his trades. I think he did that great. Unfortunately. Where he fell short, three categories. Number one, in the overall construction of a team, with the exception of that team that went to the Stanley Cup final last year because he went all in and spent all the way to the cap and had the right guys for one big push in them. Number two, um, his his management, uh, overall management of the team. Some would say he tried to micromanage and tried to have everything under his umbrella instead of delegating different departments, which we're hearing now, and that some departments were neglected. And number three, contracts. I think there were several contracts where he probably liked the player more than everyone else, gave a little bit too much money, a little bit too much term, and those contracts today are very tough to move. So I thought he, he's, I think he's got a great eye for talent at the pro scouting level. I think he did a great job in constructing a team for one push, but it wasn't sustainable and those contracts are hurting them. Well, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, it's kind of funny. You know, I was on holiday in, in Los Angeles last week and I went down to... Oh, Muscle. excuse me, Los Angeles. Someone's got to live it up, you know, hanging in the Hollywood Hills, quite literally wow. with my sister. But, you know, the thing is, I went down to Muscle Beach, you know, that's a famous thing, uh, outdoor beach on Venice Beach. And I made a little joke on social media. I said desperately seeking Bergevin at Muscle Beach, you know, joke about his bike. Uh, but so people are like, oh, come on, get over it. You know, you got to get over Bergevin. It's like, you know what? The guy, you know, you say he was good at individual things. I mean, the, and the point is he was general manager for nine years. He just got fired a couple of months ago. So obviously we're still talking about him. The stories are out there about him. Yeah. Individual moves mean nothing. It's like, it doesn't matter. Like if you make a great trade and it's not good for the team, then you're not a good general manager. And if you talk about the contracts, I mean, you show me one good contract. I mean, the guy was terrible at signing contracts. So we're Gorton and Hughes are now stuck with a real dilemma of how to get rid of these contracts, you know, starting with, of course, Carey Price, but also Brendan Gallagher, Jeff Petrie. I mean, it's, it's, these are, these are terrible contracts. I mean, it's, it, so he he generally signed. He did make good deals. Jake Allen's a great contract. Jake Allen's a great contract, and I said it at the time. Jake Allen was a great pickup. I mean, we and, know. And look, by the way, I have to admit, uh, you you raise a pretty good point when you say there's a lot of bad contracts. I'm going to add another. Uh, ben Sherratt was a very good contract. That's true as well. And look, they're going to get they're going to get a first rounder for Ben Sherratt. So that's great. That's I would, uh, I would think so. Okay, so is it great now that they've won? Four in a row, a four nothing win over the Buffalo Sabres, a team that they lost to 10 days prior by a score of five to three. 
They beat them 4-0, two goals by Suzuki, one assist, another goal by Caulfield. He now has six goals in seven games under Marty St. Louis. For the first time this season, it had taken them 50 games to win two in a row, then they won three in a row, now they've won four in a row. And a lot of people are saying, oh my God, they don't even know how to tank. I got to admit, as much as I'm having fun, I'm even saying, oh my God, they don't even know how to tank. Are you upset about this or not? You know what they have to do, Tony? Is they got to bring back Dominic Ducharme to to this is a losing coach? No, I'm joking. I'm not cool. worried. I'm not worried at all. They've won four straight under Martin Saint Louis. There's almost always a big bounce when a new coach comes. But I got to tell you something. Yeah, I love Martin Saint Louis. I love this guy. I loved him as Did a you, were, were you one of those who mocked the hiring, by the way? Because I'd like to hear I, from those. And I, I'm really glad that I'm on the good side. of the, I'm on the right side of the things here. The very first tweet I put out when I saw it was, what the puck? But within a half hour, I was like, I like this. Because you know what? I didn't like Dominic Ducharme as a coach. I was arguing against Dominic Ducharme as a coach. And so many people were saying, Oh, it's just the team. It has nothing to do with the coaching. Well, apparently it had something to do with the coaching. Of course. They had this bounce, and I just want to finish the thought. It doesn't matter that they're winning these games. The first thing is, okay, they get one point ahead of Arizona. They're going to finish, and you, you didn't hear it here first because we all know that. They're going to finish in the bottom three of the league. They're yes. gonna, and firstly, if you finish last, Hello, it's a lottery. You don't necessarily get the first pick. The second thing is you don't necessarily want the first pick because it's not clear that Shane Wright is the best pick that's out there. And whoever gets the first pick will pick it because it's a consensus league and they've decided it's Shane Wright. So it doesn't matter. You just need a top three pick. And unlike in the previous regime that was run by um, the people that I like to call the bicep brigade. Who made oh, stop with that. Come on. They don't call you the the the... the the, the Mr. They hair do. salon. I they mean, uh, well, what do you call, they do they call you hair salon? They do actually. They do. Oh, really? I'm kidding. Okay. And that was yeah. a little below the belt. I, I take that off the table, but the yeah. reality was they were drafting poorly. And so they blew two top three picks. I, you know, so if you're a good picker and we never know, but you know, yeah. chances are if you get one, two or three, you're doing okay. And you know what? You don't want to suck forever. You can't lose eight, two. You can't lose seven, one every game. You know, listen, Martin St. Louis, all you need to know about this is if he turns around Cole Caulfield, and he did. He did. He did. Remember at the end of the Dominic Ducharme regime? How crazy was this, Tony? Cole Caulfield on the fourth line on the worst team in the league? What well, Brendan, that? Brendan, That's when Dominic Ducharme was coach, I was saying almost every day, send Cole Caulfield down to the Laval Rocket because it was a goal that was in 10 games and then it became, or whatever it was, a goal in 20. And then it became, I think, a goal in 28 or a goal in 29. Uh, he was playing on the fourth line. He wasn't getting on the power play. He was getting about 12 and a half to 13 minutes a game. His confidence was rock bottom. He was getting chances in close. He was missing the net by like 10 feet. And I'm like, okay, you got to send them to Laval. In comes Marty St. Louis who preaches concepts, who allows for some freedom, who puts his confidence in him, who plays him on the number one line, puts him with Suzuki and with Josh Anderson, puts him back on the power play. And then all of a sudden, this guy is this guy's off to the races. But I'm going to tell you this. Marty St. Louis, let's talk about the changes that he made. Number one, uh, he saw this team playing zone defense. He didn't think they did it very well. He switched to a man-to-man. -man. He did that after 45 games under Dominic Ducharme playing that system this year. The transition game from defense to offense has been fantastic. They're using a lot more stretch passes. 
Uh, he's giving his better players a lot more playing time. He's found roles for other players. He's uh, put a lot of confidence into Rem Pitlick. He's turned Jet Petrie's game around. He commands immediate respect. He's finding a different way of motivating his players uh, in what is a lost season anyways. I think he's done a fantastic job. And I know I talked about this with Stu Cowan and Francois Gagnon, and the list goes on and on. But, I mean, you can forget about that interim tag. I mean, it's coming off in the offseason. Everybody knows that. He's the head coach of the Canadians going forward. He is, the head, he is the head coach of the Canada, and he always wanted to be the head coach, not the interim head coach. Uh, but it, it, I would simplify it even further, uh, Tony. You read the interviews with this guy. He's a really smart hockey mind. He's the smartest coach of the Canada and a very certainly the most articulate coach of the Canada in a long time. And the key concept, and he's explained it very clearly, is the difference between a system, which he doesn't like, running a system, which is what Dominic Ducharme was doing and what most coaches do, and having a concept. And his one of his key concepts is he was a dynamic, creative player. So he's saying, you know what? Have some fun out there. Go out yeah. Cole Caulfield, that's what you do. Go and do it. Nick Suzuki, that's what you do. Go and do it. And this is not just a little thing. This is the first coach since the 1970s who said, yeah. we you know what's the weirdest thing with the Canadian over the last 40 years? New yeah. coach comes in. Half the time it's a new coach who was an old coach. But even if it's a new coach who's a new coach, he seems like the old coach. Well, the same thing. I um, uh, I'm gonna, I can't wait to have this conversation with Marty St. Louis. And at one point I want to bring this up as uh, Brendan has jammed up here. He's never looked better. Look at him. Vidal Sassoon is back. Okay. Yeah, Listen to me carefully. Yeah. Was, okay, if you could, if you call me Vidal Sassoon, I'm allowed to make some jokes about the muscle. Yeah, oh no, thank God. You know what? That guy didn't make any jokes about me because there's plenty to make fun of there. I'll tell you that right now. But uh, I look forward to having this conversation with him one day. And I had this discussion with a buddy of mine last night. The fact that Marty St. Louis, obviously very short in stature, um, played in a league with big men, with giants, and when the league was physical and stuff like that, all his career, going back to the amateur level, he wasn't able to use his size to his advantage. When you're able to use your size to advantage, you get through on get by on physicality, you get by on athleticism. When you don't have that, you have no other choice but to exercise this up here. Because if you don't play with this, you're gonna be you're gonna end up getting crunched. You won't be able to come out of tight spaces. You're not gonna be able to come out with the puck. You're you know you're you're just you're gonna have a hard time. The fact that he was able to exercise this his entire playing career has given him a great hockey mind, as I point to my brain here, has given him a great hockey mind as a head coach. And there are things that you can do to help exercise the mind, to think a better game, to become a smarter player, which I'm sure... He's introduced in some of those concepts and in some of those practices, and he's working on some of those things for his players all to become smarter players, which they probably weren't doing before because it takes someone who played the game, who had to rely on his brain, who knows exactly what you can do to exercise that muscle, a very important one. Well, you know, it's funny because, and, and we've talked about this, you've talked about this on the radio, everyone's laughing at him, Wee coach, he's only ever coached his kids. Uh, you know, there's yeah. a great line in, in, in his opening press conference when one of the Francophone journalists says, I want to be polite, you know, and the story I was like, you know, you didn't coach at that high level. He's like, 
come on, don't, you know, beat around the bush. I didn't coach at any level. And, and yet he comes in there. I think, and I he, think he called him a junior coach and he said, you're being nice. That's exactly what he yeah. said. You got a better memory for exact words than me. But, but the point is Martin St. Louis comes in and, and, you know, when you see him talk, whether it's yeah. in these interviews or whether it's in the post game press conference, and he's analytical and he's able to explain things. And, you know, if for years and years I was watching Ducharme, terrible communicator. I'm sorry, he is. He just is a terrible communicator to the, to the media. And I'm watching uh, Julian. I'm watching uh, Terrien. These guys, they're inarticulate. They're not good at doing this thing. And I'm thinking there's coaches like I was always very impressed by a guy like John Cooper. You know, John Cooper gets out there yeah. and whether they won or lost, he analyzes the game and he can talk about what his team did right and what his team did wrong. And that's what Martin St. Louis does. And he's got a hockey IQ. That interview where he was talking about how he was always good at math and he sees hockey like math. It's kind of like, it's almost like genius type stuff. And in any case, I mean, he's going to have his ups and downs as well, but it is, it's hockey IQ. And you know, the interesting thing you talk about his stature, his size, he got into the league undrafted. Yeah. Vinny Le Cavalier, who now, of course, works for the Canadiens, he says, yeah. hey, uh, hey, Steve, uh, give, give this guy a gander up in uh, wherever he's playing in Vermont, I guess. And uh, there were almost no players his size now. Now there are more smaller players in the league, and it's a different league, right? It's a league that's much more based around speed, yeah. skill. And so he's really well suited to that. And, and look, at the end of the day, as we always say in this very space, sports, it's a results-oriented business. You, you, you know, Dominic Ducharme was not a good coach of the Montreal Canadiens because he has a bad record. That's all you need to know. Scotty Bowman was a good coach because he's got a great record. I mean, It's, it's, a, it's a results-oriented business, like you said. And now speaking of business and speaking of hockey teams, any team, actually any sport, any jersey, any player, sportbuffshop.com for all of your officially licensed sports apparel and our sick merchandise as well. Look at this baby here. Huh? Not bad. Pretty nice, huh? The sick team. You can um, use code SICK15 for 15% off on all other items. I want to talk to you about Samuel Montembeau, who picked up his first NHL shutout. Um, he just keeps getting better and better and better. At the beginning of the season, I said, oh, my God, this is an absolute this is a mitigated disaster. And now um, his rebound control is better. He doesn't swim. He manages the game a lot better. He doesn't panic. Um, he doesn't overcommit. His lateral movements are better. He's doing a great job. And I was happy to see him pick up his first shutout in the National Hockey League. Yeah, what an inspirational story, eh? I mean, a guy picked up on waivers uh, who was pretty bad to begin with, let's face it, uh, and put into an incredibly difficult uh situation carry price out where there'd be a press conference coming up i guess on, on just the the 800th carry price press conference to figure out what's going on with him but he's yeah. gone he hasn't played a game then jake allen goes down so you get a guy who's not an nhl number one goalie at, yeah. at the stage and he's been doing great he was to be fair he was starting to come around a little under um under uh, Ducharme. And the other great things we should mention, the, the deal to, to, to go and get uh, the, the man we now call the Habsburglar, you know, to allow Primo to get out of this situation. Because you know what? Primo might be our number one goalie in the future. Maybe not, but whatever the case, they were destroying this guy with what was happening. Uh, so that's, you know, you know what? I mean, 
it's all positive. Uh, to, to me, I don't see any negatives as of yet with this uh, new regime. And they're early days. Like, you know, everyone's like, oh, get, you know, give them time. Yeah, like if, if it, you and I, if in two months, you know, they make a bunch of, or say up until the trade deadline, if they make a bunch of bad deals, we'll be the first to say they're bad yeah. deals. So far, I'm sorry, the Toffoli deal was a great deal. Uh, picking up uh, the, the Hasburglar was a great deal. So we'll see what they do with the, the they'll be very active, I'm sure. But so far, so good. I mean, you got to give these guys credit. Well, the Toffoli deal was a deal, a good deal for both teams, considering what Calgary, what the Canadians are trying to accomplish. And the fact that Calgary gets a proven goal scorer who's under contract at $4.25 million for half of this season and the next two years. So they win that trade as well. Should be noted, by the way, that's a great move that Kent Hughes made acquiring Andrew Hammond who hadn't played in the National Hockey League since April of 2018, and he played his last game, and he won it and played really, really well his first game as a half. But it's a great deal because the Canadians had 48 players, 48 under contract. You're allowed 50, which means that if they were going to acquire Hammond and not trade a contract in return, they hit number 49. If they sign Jordan Harris, uh, who's a player they drafted three years ago, at that point they hit 50. And then if they make a move between now and the trade deadline and you trade away one player and you get two contracts back, now all of a sudden you've gone over that limit and you're not allowed to do that. You can't. So they um, they make a trade with Bill Guerin and they give him tough guy Brandon Baddock, who was never in their plans. And so they give away a contract. They get one back. It cancels itself out. And I think clearly Bill Guerin did his buddy I uh, can't use a little bit of a favor in that one. Okay, you brought up Carey Price. Tomorrow is Friday, February 25th. And Chantal Maccabay, Senior VP of um, Communications, tells us, or VP of Communications with the Montreal Canadiens, tells us that there will be a medical update on Carey Price tomorrow. There's been a medical update on pretty much everyone else. We'll find out what happens with uh, with Josh Anderson and uh, Paul Byron, who left the game on uh, on Wednesday night. But what are you expecting to hear? regarding Carey Price on Friday, February 25th? As we used to say, the big donut, as in zero. I mean, I was I was, I was, was playing hockey last night, and in the room, the goalie says, uh, beer league hockey, he says he's going to announce his retirement. Anything's possible, but I don't think so. No, no, not tomorrow. He won't. No, he won't. I don't no, think so. I, I'd be I, shocked. They're going to give a meaningless, fairly mm. meaningless update. I mean, what is, you know, we've been talking, this is, because it's been going on since the Stanley Cup final, but it's also been going on for, is it four or five, basically since Chris Kreider rammed into him in the spring of 2014. And I mean, listen, I think at the end of the day, what we have with Carey Price, I always go back to what Stefan Waite said when he, he was, and I mean, oh God, one of the low points of the Bergevin regime was firing, firing Waite between period two and period three of a game. Um, but when Waite was super upset and he was leaving, goaltending coach, and he says, you know what? He says, remember that interview? I believe it's in Le Journal. He said, Price is beat up. He's, his back is gone. His legs are, you know, like. He hey, just, hey, 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 hey. He said it right here on the sick podcast. He oh, said okay. it here on the sick yeah. podcast. He said he had injury to his knees, his hips, his back, his legs, his groin, everything. And so that's what I think is the story with Carrie. He's given it all. And uh, there's nothing left there. And that was, I'm not saying his career is over, but uh, I don't think we're going to learn anything. I think he is, you know, he's, uh, and it is a bit mysterious. I mean, this was, we were assured, you know, that he would be back playing. 
we were assured then he went into the the rehab uh, the player assistance program for substance abuse issues yeah and then he returns to the team i think memory serves like early november and then boom nothing's happening so it is super mysterious but it's yeah. just year we went and reached out and got Condon to replace him he was supposed to be gone three weeks he ended up being gone for six yeah. months this is the carry price story and it's a sad story and it's yeah. an absolute disaster for the team and you have to go back and think and i'm not saying right or wrong but there's an argument to be made that the worst thing the team ever did was draft carry price and build everything around him. Well, there's an argument to be made. Uh, you would have picked up three more wins last year. We probably wouldn't have said that. But anyway, long story short, disaster. you know what the disaster would be? If he comes back this year and he starts winning games for the Canadians because you don't want to win too many of them. Because let's be honest here, if they end up uh, having you know a, a, the best chance at the number one pick to going to a top three pick, that's one thing. But now all of a sudden, I mean, the last thing you want is to, to go on an extended winning streak. Now, maybe he wouldn't do it anyway. I think they'll leave it open. I think they'll say that. They're still optimistic that he's going to get back. There was a little bit of a setback, but they're very optimistic that he should be able to be back on the ice between now and the end of the season. And it's still his goal to go out there and play some games. And I think they'll leave it open. Like I said, a big zero, as in nothing, as in a PR move. Keep the, keep the, keep the peasants happy. All right, the next five games are on the road in Ottawa, in Winnipeg, in Calgary, in Edmonton, in Vancouver. They go from February 26th, which is going to be uh, on um, on the weekend, on Saturday night in Ottawa, and going until March 9th. So they're going on the road. Are you going to miss them? Uh, you no, know, I mean, I think it's going to be a very interesting uh, road trip because it's going to be a tough one because I think at a certain point they're running on this inspiration of Martin St. Louis. It's, the bubble's going to burst. This is a pretty bad team, right? I mean, it really is. Don't talk about that right now. They've won four games in a row. I get you on, and uh, you're talking about the bicep club, and now you're talking about a pretty bad team. They won four games in a row. You know, it's the old joke that that, that people used to say to me. They said, you're so negative. You're so negative. They're going to win the cup in seven games against Tampa Bay, and you're going to say they should have won in four. They should have swept them. But no, but but, but seriously, Tony, you know the bubble's going to burst. They're not going to win every game down the no. stretch. It's a, you, you look at the lineup. I mean, imagine if Josh Anderson is out of the lineup for any any minute. We can't afford to lose. And you you don't think about the injury situation. I mean, to give them a fair shake. I mean, it's incredible. But it, 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 it doesn't matter. It's a lost season. Exactly. It's nice that they won four games in a row, but it's a lost season. The best night of the year for the Montreal Canadiens is going to be the night that they host a draft in July at the Bell Center with with all of that buzz that's going to be in the building on that night. That is what we have to look forward to. For now, Cole Caulfield has scored six goals in seven games under St. Louis. Nick Suzuki starting to look like a number one centerman. That's starting to look like the Canadiens' number one line with Josh Anderson. Montembeau's playing a lot better. Jeff Petrie's value has gone up. Sherratt and Romanov look very good together. His value has gone up. He's going to be traded as well. Right now, it's all good. It's all positive. It's like me on my treadmill running at 100 miles an hour, yeah. shedding a few pounds. I've gone from five chins to three chins. You probably don't see it. Believe me, I have. Bring it home. Discover a club-quality workout in the comfort of your own home. Visit matrixhomefitness.ca and get yourself a Matrix treadmill, T75, with XUR console like Marinaro has at home. The final word goes to you, Brendan Kelly. You want to sing Go Habs Go or Blah Blah Rouge? What do, what wow. do you want to do here? Oh, I'm loving it. I'm loving the fun. You know what? It's going to be a tough couple of years. 
They're not going to win the Stanley Cup in the next two or three years. So if we can have a little fun, if we can have a guy behind the bench we like, if we could just watch Cole Caulfield play like this for a couple of years, that's great. Le Rouge. Take Thanks. it easy, man. I'll see you later, Vidal Sassoon. What up, guys? Uh, Brendan Kelly. You can follow us once again on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at The Sick Podcast. It's absolutely free. You know why? Because this podcast is sick. See you next time. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow The Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by 8.6, intense by nature.